Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program, the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools. And we're here at Saturday, 12 noon, every week, to promote and defend public education. And that is education that is public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is public in access to all children. It is also public in ownership and control, or it certainly should be, And it should be the only one that is publicly funded because it's the only one that is publicly accountable. And our governments should provide a first-class, first-rate public education for every child in this country. Well, we know that more and more this is becoming less and less the case because our governments have unfortunately been influenced by the oligarchs, not only in Australia but also globally, And it seems that the only people that really matter are those with the ability to pay, user pays. However, our public schools are still there. They're wonderful. And many, many, many people, in fact, the majority of parents throughout Australia, are still sensible enough to use them. And as Alan has told me again and again, I should be making an appeal to all those mothers and fathers who are silly enough to send their children to private schools to actually make sure that they get a first-rate education in our public schools because it is the best. It can only be the best because private schools are in fact parasitic on the main system. Now we have a website, www.adogs.info. And we put up almost every week a media release and we give it to you here on 3CR. And here is the latest. Press release 643. Trevor Cobalt provides facts and figures and he proves that state aid to private schools is a disastrous public policy. Trevor Cobald of Save Our Schools and an erstwhile member of the Productivity Commission, perhaps the only um, service in Australia at the moment that gives us any facts and figures that are worth anything, has continued valiantly, that's Trevor Cobald, has continued valiantly to expose the funding follies with public funding of private education. And you can find his papers and all of his research, the benefit of his research, on the Save Our Schools website. But it also can be found in the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald of February the 16th. So congratulations to Trevor, who got his facts and figures out into the mainstream press. Now, Trevor's findings prove that the funding policy, surprise, surprise, of the uh, Turnbull and other governments has favoured private religious schools for the last 15 years, and the current funding policies are deeply flawed. His figures have proved that, and I quote, 
Over the past 15 years, total Commonwealth and state government funding for private schools has grown at more than twice the rate of funding for public schools. And in more recent years, funding for public schools has been cut while private school funding has still increased. In Victoria, for example, the average funding increase per student for 16 selected elite private schools was 25% compared with a 3% increase for 17 disadvantaged public schools. And six of the disadvantaged funding schools in Victoria actually had their funding But dogs find that Trevor Cobald, who is doing a magnificent and valiant job, is still trammelled by a desire to find a way around rather than out of the public funding of private education problem. This has been visited on us for the last 50 years. We were free from it in this country for 80 years and we were very fortunate and then state aid for private schools was reintroduced not 15 years ago but more than 15 years ago, more than half a century ago in 1969. Um, He and others like him, that's Trevor and others like him around Australia are still hoping to find a solution to gross inequity through needs policies. They're confronted with disadvantaged children and they feel that this is inequitable, it's unjust and it's wrong and they are quite right. But they think that if they can introduce needs policies, they won't have to confront uh, the big boys in the Roman Catholic and the um, Anglican and the other churches that have big elitist schools. They believe that Gonski and his voucher system is the answer. But I'm sorry, history proves that Gonski is no answer. Carmel and Blackburn and their needs policy were part of the problem in 1973 and their needs policy was never implemented anyway. And the sectarian schools have always stuck together when it comes to sector-neutral funding. Uh, If the big elite schools look as if they'll lose a penny, then you'll find that the so-called disadvantaged schools, or certainly their promoters, uh, their bureaucrats in the big uh, religious bureaucracies will come in behind them. They're all agreed that demanding their cut, and uh, they're all agreed in demanding their cut, and inequities are actually part of their deal, because Private schools are about rejecting children. Private religious schools, let's face it, listeners, are about separating out the sheep from the goats. Private religious schools are about playing God and who and deciding who are the sheep and the goats. I'm not quite sure that Christ would agree with that, but there you are. Uh, there's something about religious people that it means that their greatest temptation is to play God with other people, particularly children. Sorry, I got on from. I'm sorry, I've just been on one of my, uh, my what I feel very strongly about. Now, Carmel only kept Whitlam in power for three years anyway with his needs policy, so I think people should remember that. And Gonski and his voucher system is very much part of the public education problem in 2016. It was started by Gillard, and look what happened to her. It certainly didn't save her political career, did it? 
So the answer to gross inequities as part of the dog's view is that these inequities have developed because of state aid to private schools in the last half century. And the answer is not to give Labor leaders a way out of their DLP, Catholic and Christian lobby vote. It's to tackle the problem at its source and demand that we should have public funding for public schools only. Now, on our website, we have got Trevor Cobalt's material, and I'll leave it to Robert uh, to go in detail uh, with this, uh, there's some very interesting facts and figures indeed. But the dog's position is, and always has been, and we've never deviated, we're not up for compromise here, neither is 3CR. Our position is the only way to get any kind of equity in our system, the only way to educate all of the children of Australia is in schools in a system which is open to all children. And that is, in fact, the best one that we've still got, and that's the public system. Okay, over to you, Robert. But before that, we'd like to offer uh, 3CR happy birthday, but this time we're going to let a group of frogs do it, the Popple Bulk Orchestra. Welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. We're here to defend public education. And we're also here to say happy birthday to 3CR, 40 years. Thanks very much to those um, pobblebog frogs. Now, as Jean mentioned uh, before, we had our lovely uh, serenading by frogs. Um, Trevor Cobold has put the cat amongst the pigeons because, lovely fellow that he is, He's um, gone in and dug out the figures about what's been going on in school funding in the last 10 to 15 years in Australia. Indeed, since um, John Howard first started up his SES model of funding. Now, John Howard in 2001, I think it was, decided that he was going to have a new model for funding education in Australia and it was going to be fair for everyone and he was going to give more money to private schools because that way they'd put their fees down and then they'd be cheaper and then more people would go to private schools and that would be good. That was the plan in 2001. Um, the opposite has, in fact, happened, and Trevor Cobold has done a summation about where the whole situation is at the moment. Now, um, earlier this week, 
much earlier this week on sort of Sunday and Monday, he came out with these figures and they really hit the fan. The mainstream media got hold of them. And not only will I be telling you what he was going on about, but I'll tell you about the reaction that the private and independent sector has to it. It's really quite fascinating. Because, as you know, if you've been listening to the Dogs program, um, the private school system is mendacious. Um, They want what they want when they want it. And they will use um, all lobbying powers to make sure that they succeed. So functionally in Australia, if you want to change anything, if you want to reform anything, if you want to do anything in Australian education to improve the education of the children of the nation, you have to go and pay court to the doors of the private school lobbies. Now, the private school lobbies know this, and um, basically what they want, what they want when they want it. And here at the Dogs, we understand mendacity. We, We understand the enemy. We understand, indeed, what we're fighting for. But there's a new element in the fight for defending public education, and it's the fight against stupidity. Because what's actually happened, and what's actually happening, is not just mendacious, it's bloody stupid. Now let me explain, because as Trevor Cobalt says, that updating the school funding figures um, early in the week on the Save Our Schools website, which I direct you to, it's just Google it, Save Our Schools in Canberra, and you can get the details there, It actually shows that government funding per student in private schools has, over the last 15 years, far outstripped increases for public schools. Now, the SOS National Convener, Trevor, as I said, has put these figures out. And he says, and I quote, The new figures show that Australia has an incoherent and unfair school funding system. Past government funding increases have been woefully misdirected in favour of more advantaged students over disadvantaged students. He says there can be little wonder that Australia has failed to improve the results of disadvantaged students or to reduce the large achievement gaps between advantaged and disadvantaged students over the past 15 years. Public schools bear the very large burden of disadvantage but receive less than half of the funding increases provided to public schools over that time. Now, between between the turn of the last century, 1999 and 2014, Government funding, that is Commonwealth, State and Territory, the lot per private school student, adjusted for inflation, has increased by 39% over that time. You say, well, that's good, that's more money for education. But that's actually compared to an increase for public school students at the same time, not 39%, but only 17 Now, more recently, real funding for public schools actually decreased, while funding for private schools continued to increase. Now, going back five years or so to 2009-2010, public school funding per student fell from that time to now by 3%, while for private schools it increased by 10%. This is other figures drawn from the MySchool website, set up by Julia Gillard, as Jean mentioned before, show that even more perverse funding patterns. With government funding per student for many high-fee, exclusive private schools in Victoria and New South Wales, increasing by several times more than for many highly disadvantaged schools. Just one example. In Victoria, between 2009 and 2013, the average funding increase per student for 16 selected elite private schools was 25%, compared with 3% for 17 disadvantaged public schools. Six disadvantaged public schools actually had their funding cut over that time. Now, one example, I mean, Trevor Cabell doesn't usually do this, but he's drilling down into anecdote because he's a very, very, um, 
how can I say, proprietor's fellow. He likes to deal with numbers. But here in this case, he's telling us about the government funding for the Korowa Anglican Girls' School. Now, at this school, 83% of the students are actually from the highest socioeconomic advantage quartile. That is, they are not just rich, but they're stinking rich. And 1% of the kids that go to that school are from the lowest quarter or quartile, that is, the lowest, the poorest 25% of Australians. That's well, one, so, 1%. So there's a bit of charity there, right? Well, yeah, no, they often... I bet you that 1% from the lowest quartile are there on scholarships because they're damn smart to get the average of the school up in terms of their VCE results, but that, for me, is supposition. But oh. uh, That, for me, is supposition, but um, I can Perhaps tell you... they're not so charitable, are well, I don't quite know. I work in, I personally work in about 80 different schools around Australia from all the sectors, and I can tell you that if there's a poor kid in, a, in an elite school, it's because they're smart. Anyway, Corowa Anglican Girls' School. They had an increase in funding of 38% over that time. Bear in mind that 83% of the kids in that school come from the sticking, stinking rich quartile, and 1% come from the stinking poor. Right, in contrast... Northern Bay College, that's a P-12 college in Geelong, where 73% of its students come from the poorest group of Australians and 1% come from the richest group of Australians, um, had its funding cut by 18% over the same time. Not increased by 38 but cut by 18 He says in New South Wales there's very similar things going on. Um, he mentions, of course, the Ravenswood Girls' School, who have been had some recent uh, reasonable coverage here on the Dogs Program, um, which have very, very similar um, demographics in terms, um, have had their funding increased by 28%. But if you go out to Punchbowl Boys, where there's only 3% of the kids are from the richest quartile, yeah, they've had their funding cut by 3%. This has all happened in the last four or five years. So this is happening now. This isn't into the future. These aren't predictions. That's what's going on now. Mr. Cobalt, I think, is just a bit annoyed. He says that it, the whole process is actually incoherent and unfair and is set to continue because the Turnbull government has refused to fund the last two years of the Gonski plan, which would have seen an extra $5.8 billion delivered to public schools. It also would have seen a lot of money delivered to private schools as well, just by the way, Trevor. Now, he says, Trevor says, and this is Trevor getting annoyed, he says, continuation of this unfair funding system will incur major social and economic costs because of the failure to address disadvantage in education. It severely limits the life prospects of hundreds of thousands of students, it harms the economy, and it weakens the social fabric of Australian society. He goes on to say that a bipartisan commitment to a national school funding plan directed at reducing disadvantage in education is desperately needed. Yes, it is. A high-performing education system with minimum levels of disadvantage means a high-performing economy. Well, he's right. And I just put that... I, I, I sum that up by saying what's going on. What is currently going on with school funding in Australia is not just mendacious, because why else would you give so much money to people that don't need it unless they are mendacious? Um, it's not just mendacious, but it's stupid. But Mr Shorten says that funding will be sector... Neutral. He feels very neutral about all of this, obviously. Well, here at the dogs are not particularly neutral about it because it's a battle that's been going on for generations and needs to be sorted out. And now it's gone beyond the point of um, mendacity and corruption. It's down to the point of we are, as a nation, just being really damn stupid about the whole process. 
Now, what Trevor Cobold says, I think, stands on its own. But when it comes to the debate of ideas in, in the popular media and indeed the popular consciousness, I think it's interesting to note what it is that the private school sector says in comment to this. Now, if you have someone saying something that, you know, basically saying that we are being stupid and you, the, the private education system, are being mendacious, how do you fight that? What rhetoric do you use? Well, the private education system, of course, um, goes for the old ad hominem. They attack him personally. Oh, you're not serious. No, I'm not. I, I am serious. Well, they used to do this to Ray Nielsen, of course. If they called him bigoted, sectarian, what have you? Well, actually, they're, they're calling Trevor Cobalt, and, and as we know, who's been on the guest of this program, he is the least polemic person you're likely to meet. <laughs> Yes, he is. <laughs> He's as dry as dust. And he deals with figures, and uh, he has a he has, of course, very real concerns um, socially. But figures are his milieu. And, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> well, I refer you to in, in response to this because this has hit the mainstream media as well as three CR, of course, because we're always picking up on these things. Um, those listeners to the Dogs Program, the regular one, will be familiar with a, with a person called Michelle Green. And she's, in fact, the chief executive of Independent Schools Victoria. And she says that focusing on percentage increases is misleading, she says. Her comment, and I think it's worth reading out, is any valid analysis of government funding to schools should include the actual dollar amounts, not just percentages. She says otherwise it's just bad maths and disingenuous. Wow. I certainly wouldn't have a chat to Trevor Cobalt about bad maths or disingenuity because he ain't that, I can tell you right now. But she's accused him of that. And she says, when you look at the dollar amounts, government schools mentioned in the SOS report receive substantially more government funding per student than non-government schools. Yes, actually she's right. She's actually right. Government schools do because government schools take all students, rich or poor, black or white, boys or girls or transgenders or LBGTIs, because that's what state schools do. Private schools do not. And I think it's just a very fundamental point that we shouldn't be giving any money, <laughs> any money to any education institution that demands and receives exemptions from the anti-discrimination legislation. Yes, but also in the government school budget, you will find um, all kinds of additional uh, things which the private schools also use. The actual... Um, dollar amounts received by the private schools are in direct grants grossly underestimated because they never count in all of the uh, exemptions, uh, what you call taxation expenditures. In fact, the direct grants, the dollar amounts that she's talking about, are just the tip of the iceberg of what the private sector benefits from mm. the taxpayer. Mm. Yes, and she says, and uh, here's something I actually agree with her about, this is Michelle Green, she says she believes all schools in all sectors should receive funding that matches the needs of their students. I absolutely agree with her there, which means that the independent school sector should receive no money whatsoever because they've decided to opt out of the laws of the nation, so the needs of their students should be reflected in the fact that they should receive no taxpayers' money as a result. So, Michelle Green, first time, I think, on the Dogs Program, I've agreed with you. If but, a, but If a parent but, can afford twenty to 30000 a year for their child's education, which is more than a government school child receives, then I can't see how that school can be needy. Indeed. Just can't. I think it's absolutely fascinating that no one sat down and worked out how much costs to educate a child in Australia to a gold standard, like 
what is that amount of money? Now, of course, it's different for all children. Some children have extra and special needs, and that should be taken into account. But what is the base level? And if you go into a, a private school and they're charging you a bucket load of money, um, which, which is fine because you're a parent and you choose to do that, and that amount of money is more than what's actually needed, um, then the taxpayer should have no, they should have no business. In, in that process. I mean, that, that is a contractual arrangement, a choice, a choice, a contractual arrangement between a parent and a school where money changes hands and the service is provided and off they go. But they've actually wheeled out Jen- Jennifer Buckingham from the Centre oh, for... Oh, yes, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> I thought that would make you laugh, Jen. Jennifer Buckingham, they've wheeled her out and she's a research fellow at the Centre for Independent Studies. Yes, and she says that the funding increases in the sector that Trevor Cable is talking about, again, she says they come from different bases. She said that the private school students at the beginning of this time got less money from the government, and so therefore in dollar terms it would be a higher percentage. Jennifer Buckingham, believe it or not, found one, just one, disadvantaged private school and trotted it out. And... um, Chris Bonner says that he's going to put his money on whether she can find another one, and he thinks that his money is quite secure. Yes, I think she... Yes, absolutely right. So there they are. They're criticising him for cherry-picking and using the wrong fingers, and they themselves, I would have to say, are cherry-picking and using the wrong fingers. But that's what you expect in a war. That's what you expect in a war of ideas. And um, the fact that Michelle Green and Jennifer Buckingham are defending their points of view is fine. However, I do go back to the basic idea is what's happening in Australia is just a bit stupid. Now, after the break, and I think we'll have some station messages because we are part of 3CR, a community radio, and we like to support our fellow broadcasters here. I'll be returning with some good news by looking into the future and what's going on overseas because if you want to know what's going to happen in Australia in education, all you have to do is look to either Britain or America, and we're usually a couple of years behind. So there's a bit of good news coming out of the UK at the moment. It's rather fascinating, and I think we should investigate it, analyse it, and share it with you, our listeners, after these messages. Your love is lifting me higher than I've ever been lifted before. World Unite for Women's Liberation, Decolonization and Economic Justice. Come to the International Women's Day 2016 Rally and March on Tuesday the 8th of March at 5.30pm at the State Library on Swanston Street. If you support global demands for gender, racial and economic justice, please join us as we take to the streets on the 8th of March. For more information, call Liz on 0452 518 211 or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash IWD Melbourne. The IWD Melbourne Collective is a 3CR supporter. Okay, 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 okay. 
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial. It's great to have your company. Here at the Dogs, we defend government schools, and I promised you just before those messages we'd be talking about some good news, some good news from the future. Because in education, when you look overseas to other English-speaking countries, you can look at the future of Australian education. And um, what's been happening recently in the United Kingdom, I think, is rather interesting. There's been a confluence of events um, which has meant that well, put it this way. In England, there's a book, or there's a team of people to put together a book called The Good Schools Guide. It is the middle-class Bible for where you want to send your child to school, and it goes around all the UK. Um, and this Good School Guide has actually come up with some very interesting figures to, to, um, uh, to advise the aspirational middle classes of the United Kingdom. Because better behaviour and results are attracting families who can afford private school fees... <laughs> to not send their kids to private schools because state schools in the UK are improving massively. And this is according to the founder of the Good Schools Guide who said their growing popularity with parents is threatening, threatening the private school sector and schools will go out of business. Oh, the horror. Now, Ralph Lucas, the editor-in-chief of the guide, regarded as the Bible for middle-class school choice, said the results of behaviour improvement and even those families who could afford private schools was increasingly now choosing the state sector. This is from an interesting um, article by Richard Adams, who's the education editor of The Guardian over there in the UK. Um, He says, we're getting parents approaching us saying, we want to know more, we're really taking state schools seriously, don't just tell us about independent schools. Um, Lord Lucas said, adding the number of private schools was likely to shrink as a result. We'll come back to Lord Lucas. He's an interesting character. Um, He says that you're seeing a pattern in the country as a whole, outside London, of independent schools becoming free schools or academies or closing, and I think this is going to continue. Lucas's view received unusual support from representatives of the elite of the independent school sector, who said the image of the state school had been rejuvenated amongst parents. And it's interesting why some people in the independent school sector are supporting this. Well, again, we'll come back to that. Now, William Richardson, the General Secretary of the Headmasters and Headmistresses Conference, which represent leading independent schools, said he was surprised by Lucas's comments because pupil numbers were currently at record levels, apparently, in private schools. But, at the same time, he's correct to say that overall state schools have never been better. In fact, particularly, the expectations of parents and pupils across the country have been transformed in what he suggests is two generations. Now, Lucas... Lord Lucas, who is an Eton-educated hereditary peer. He based his remarks on responses from parents who find schools through this guide's service. While the first edition of the Good Schools Guide, was going back to 1986, listed just 10 state schools, now, in 2016, one quarter of them are state schools in the United Kingdom. And in fact, interestingly enough, David Cameron became the first Conservative Prime Minister to send his daughter to a state comprehensive when she took up a place at the Greycoat Hospital School in London. I used to teach there. While Michael Gove did the same as Education Secretary. Cameron's son is currently attending a state primary school, but it has been reported he might be sending his child to um, somewhere a little bit more private than a state comprehensive Now, Lucas said just a couple of weeks ago that when I first came into education politics, you would have people saying, what do you expect from these state schools, kids, and excusing low performance on the basis that people were just not capable of great levels of education. 
He said, then it became apparent that some schools were in fact succeeding in spite of the fact that they were being beaten up by government and succeeding in difficult circumstances. And the individual heads became capable of making change and it built from there. Lucas uh, named Tom Sherrington, actually, the head, head teacher of Highbury Grove Secondary College in Islington, as an example of a new model head of the state sector who expected high standards of discipline in their schools and had high ambitions for their pupils. A source close to the Education Secretary, Nikki Morgan, said these comments are a ringing endorsement of all our efforts. And there's various other endorsements for this entire, for, for, for this, for this whole sort of rejuvenation of the state school sector. It's all about wonderful individuals doing anecdotally good things, and isn't that great? And this, the, the article continues pretty much in the same vein, but at the same time in England, and again we're looking into the future. Um, there's been some other potential reasons why parents aren't necessarily sending their children to the independent school sector. They're sending them to state schools. Because in another article, this goes back to 2015, but I think it relates. Over in England, they have what's called Ofsted, which is an inspection process for all schools, private and public, across across the country, um, across the, the United Kingdom, I should say. That's England and Wales. And the chief inspector of Ofsted, who's a pretty serious dude, um, a pretty serious sort of person, you don't muck around with the Chief Inspector of Ofsted, has come out with a damning report at the end of 2015, not about state schools, but about private schools. Now, the Chief Inspector raised concerns with the Education Secretary after 17 of 22 schools inspected were judged inadequate or required improvement. One of these private schools, it was a religious private school, separated governor's meetings and pupils from the school thought France was part of England. There were toilets without paper or hot water, and broken fire escapes were among the serious concerns uncovered, uncovered by Ofsted inspectors during visits to private faith schools across England. The failings were outlined in a letter by Ofsted's chief inspector, Sir Michael Wilshaw, to the Education Secretary, Nicky Morgan, after inspections of 22 independent Islamic and Christian schools made by Ofsted since dismantling the inspectorate previously overseeing private faith schools. Because back in the UK some time ago, they actually didn't do Ofsted of independent schools. They got rid of that, so there will be no oversight of what's going on, but they've recently put it back. Now, 700 children attend schools where inspectors considered that pupils were not being adequately prepared for life in modern Britain. This is deeply worrying given our national focus on the work over the past year, the Ofsted chief inspector told the minister. He said, equally worrying is the efforts to promote and embed those important values within the curriculum were undermined by a failure of leaders to model good practice, for example, through the work of governors. Now, during an inspection of the Darul Ulum Islamic School in East Birmingham, the inspectors witnessed a female governor of the school attending governor's meetings by sitting in an adjacent room, out of sight of the men present, and was only able to communicate through a doorway. This is the governor's meeting of a school. The governors told inspectors this was their usual arrangement. The senior Ofsted inspector had pointed out to the school that this practice was unacceptable as it fails to show proper respect for women. Now, the Darul Ulum school was judged to be inadequate, while inspectors saying it failed to promote fundamental British values and that pupils' safety was at risk with haphazard checks on new staff. Now, pupils, in contrast, at the Cornerstone School, which is a small Christian faith school in Epsom, were reported to have a very limited view of the world, 
and not open to views of those who might have different beliefs than those offered by the church members. Pupils, they, they say in the Ofsted report, do not have sufficient opportunity to, to learn and consider the lives of those who have different religious faith or no faith. Another inadequate school, the Al-Alim Primary School in Tinsley, Birmingham, was faulted for, and I quote, inappropriate literature about extremist, sexist or partisan views and for failing to teach basic facts about in British institutions. The comments were that pupils have an insecure understanding of how Britain is comprised. Some year six pupils included France when listing the countries that constitute Britain. Many older pupils spoken to did not know the term government or understand the role of such a body. Very few could name any political parties. Some knew the name of the Prime Minister, but none knew what his title was. For example, one pupil thought David Cameron might be the President of the United Kingdom. The same school, which is a mixed school of 168 pupils aged between 3 and 11, also found to have inappropriate books freely available. For example, the library contained a book asserting that women are less reliable witnesses in court. They also warned that in some schools, such as the Covenant Christian School in Stockport, students were not safe. Dangerous tools, sharp knives are not locked away in design and tech rooms. The rooms are particularly dirty and cluttered, raising concerns about the conditions in which machines are kept and used. Eight of the 22 schools were regarded as having inadequate safeguards for children, such as the Springfield Christian School in Catford, London, which employed staff without carrying out required criminal background checks. Of the remaining schools, four were rated as good, while only one school, Manchester Islamic High School for Girls, was deemed outstanding in all areas. The head teacher and the trustees have a clear vision for the school in preparing young British Muslim women to have high aspirations for their lives now and into the future. The expected wrote in glowing report of the 200 pupil secondary school. The inspections were carried out after the decision to dissolve the Bridges School Inspectorate, which had been a approved by the Department of Education to inspect private schools associated with the Association of Muslim Schools UK and the Christian Schools Trust. The Department of Education said it was studying the inspection reports and will be taking appropriate regulatory action. All independent schools must comply with the independent school standards and where there are concerns a school is failing to meet these standards, we will take swift action, they say. In light of Ofsted's findings, we will review prioritisation of inspections of the remaining schools. Now, what that tells me is that if parents get wind of this, they're not going to be sending their kids to those schools. I mean, if I had, if I was of a particular faith and wanted my daughter or my son to have an effective education, um, that effective education would include things like knowing that France isn't part of England. Um, although I suppose that was true in the um, in the 12th and 13th century, so if they were doing a history test, that that might be reason for ambiguity for those people who know European history. But really, um, what they have in the UK is they have an inspection system. In Australia, we do not. Um, things usually come to light, bad things, that is, when it comes to what's going on in various educational institutions in Australia, usually come to light when a parent sort of just says, I'm sick of this, and goes to the press. There's no, there's, no, um, there's no formal system for inspection of 
independent and indeed all Catholic schools in Australia. So we're still in the process of finding out about bad things in an ad hoc manner, whereas the UK seemed to be further advanced. Yes, but well, that the good news is, But the good news, the, the fundamental good news is the state school system, even after being beaten up in the UK for generations, had enough chutzpah, had enough strength, had enough character, had the right values, that now those values are coming through and there is some success for the state education system. Again, in a battleground. State schools, both in the UK and Australia, have to fight a battle. They shouldn't have to be fighting battles, but they have to. And in the UK, a small victory in a small battle is part of a much longer war, which we at the Dogs, the defensive government schools, are fighting. We'll be returning to the Dogs after these messages. Fair Go for Pensioners Coalition calls on both federal and state governments. These governments must take up proposals to fast-track job creation. They must provide decent unemployment income support payments. They must provide publicly funded training delivered in culturally appropriate ways. And they must provide one-stop mental health support services. Father Bob Maguire will launch the statement on the steps of Parliament House Wednesday, 24th of February from 11am. Bring your friends and stand with Fair Go for Pensioners and with Unemployed Victorians. Fair Go for Pensioners Coalition Incorporated is a 3CR supporter. Teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Yes, well, the newspaper crackling that you heard while Robert was talking was uh, me trying to get him to look at uh, The Australian of uh, this week on Tuesday, which was again February the 16th. A lot happened on last Tuesday, February the 16th. And The Australian was reporting on things that were happening in Sydney. And uh, up in Sydney, as you probably know, there are some very, very large Muslim schools. Uh, we have a few down here in Melbourne as well. But um, as Robert also pointed out, we don't have inspectorates anymore in Australia. Sometimes, particularly in New South Wales, there is more oversight of the uh, private sector. But we lost the inspectorate in Victoria some time ago. 
And a great pity it was too, because it was the inspectors, and a particular inspector, William Wilkins in New South Wales, that fought the battle valiantly for many, many years and actually was responsible for us having the public system that we now have throughout Australia. But that is another story. Let me tell you what has been happening up in New South Wales because the parents and others became very concerned about what was actually happening to taxpayer funding as well as their own money. And uh, the board of the nation's peak Muslim educational organisation, known as AFIC, has stepped down after intense pressure from outraged parents and students at a school meeting in Sydney last Monday night. The Australian Federation Islamic Council Board is going to be replaced by an interim board after hundreds of parents, students and alumni gathered at the Malik Fard Islamic School in Greenacre in Sydney's southwest for an emergency meeting to deal with federal funding cuts and allegations of corruption at Muslim schools across the country. And it has been a scandal. It's been an ongoing scandal about what's been happening in the Muslim uh, community with their schools for some time. Because, dear listeners, all the Muslims have tried to do in Australia and you ask their uh, their leaders, all they've been trying to do is, in fact, what the Roman Catholic Church did in the last century. They want to get public money for their enterprises, and then they want to have the power to do with that public money, our taxpayers' money, what the leaders think should be done with it, which may not necessarily be educational funds for education. Uh, And in this case, it hasn't been. Now, dear listeners, the dogs for in the early stages of state aid put newspaper advertisements in the paper proving that the Roman Catholic Church and their organisations, their educational organisations, were not putting money for disadvantaged children into disadvantaged schools, but were instead putting the money into setting up new needy schools. And also there was money that was going elsewhere. For example, there has been research done to indicate that some education money got caught up, very much caught up in the Sydney diocese, archdiocese, with um, the whole uh, question of the uh, sexual abuse of children. But that is all that, in fact, the Muslim community have been doing. And what they have been doing is, in fact, illegal. But the parents in this case have tried to do something about it. Now, the meeting that they had last Monday night called for the expulsion of the board and its chairman, a man called Hafez Qasem, from the organisation in an attempt to now save the defunded school from closure. Now, why do they want to not close this school, the people in power? It's very sad. It would be a great boon to our country, dear listeners, if this school closed and these children came into the local state schools and learned to live with their fellow Australians because it is a tragedy that we are separating our children off on the basis of any religion, whatever. But uh, no, that's not what is going to happen because Malik Fard has about 2,400 students across three campuses in southwest Sydney. 
You're dealing uh, here with a separating out of the Muslim community at a time when they need, they need their children to be with the other children that are in Australia at the moment. We need to have our children learning to live together. But that's not what's happening. But there's been a Deloitte audit initiated by the Education Minister Simon Birmingham and it is federal funding that has been withdrawn. And the Deloitte audit, why hasn't the the department itself done this audit? This is outrageous that um, what... What is required is a public audit of public money or public mismanagement of money, but no, Mr Birmingham has contracted it out to Deloitte and it's found that many payments that were made by Malik Fard to AFIC, that is the Central Muslim Body of Australia, in the form of inflated rent, project management fees and accounting and salary services worth millions of dollars, Uh, is in fact the case. Now, originally, an emergency Congress meeting of the Australian Federation of Islamic Councils had been called for the next month to vote on expelling this president and six council members, but the AFIC board dissolved itself as hundreds of people chanted for its council members to be ousted during last night's meeting in the school hall. And students held up signs saying, "'Parents want transparency,' And AFIC was betrayed, has betrayed their trust. Mr Kassim could not be contacted, however, for uh, comment. And since then, the news has come through that the school will not be closed. But uh, the dog suggests that this is very sad and the argument that, uh, it can, they, that the local schools cannot afford to accommodate these children is even more tragic because that was the argument that was used back in 1964 after the so-called Goulburn strike when a couple of um, Catholic schools went on strike in Goulburn because of their toilet facilities. Goulburn, by the way, the state schools in Goulburn could have accommodated the children. It was just one state school that said that they couldn't and wouldn't because they had a um, a principle of the right faith there. So there's another side to the so-called uh, Goulburn strike story in the same way as there should be another side to this story of how the Malikfard School uh, cannot close because it has too many children for the local uh, state schools to accommodate. The answer to this is to just take it over. We pay for it already. Take it over and run it as a state school, which is open to all children. It's really very simple. Either we have a system in Australia which is open to all children because education is their right and it is publicly funded, our system, or we don't. At the moment, we've got a hodgepodge which allows people with peculiar religious beliefs and peculiar beliefs about their own importance because they happen to have a bank balance that's a bit bigger than other people's. It gives them the excuse to buy out of a democratic process and produce in this country uh, divisions based upon the wrong criteria. If we want to have a democracy and to have a belief that people are equal and that they have rights, then we have to fight for a public education system with sole public funding.
So that's enough from me. Uh, I've got another very interesting uh, piece of news here. Something very interesting has happened in America. We all are interested in America, of course, because we're going to have a whole year talking about the presidential election. But somebody has died. The most extreme right-wing Supreme Court judge who has been doing his best to turn back the clock in America, particularly on the state aid issue, has died. His name is Scalia. And uh, it appears that he just died of natural causes. He's 79. But this Antonin Scalia is a very interesting person, uh, given the harm that some people might have thought that he has done over the last 30 years to uh, the system in the United States. He was always best known as an Associate Justice for the United Supreme Court and he was appointed in 1986 by Ronald Reagan. He joined uh, a lady called Day and two others and he tipped the balance of the court in the conservative uh, religious direction. Uh, He was born on March 11th, 1936 in Trenton, New Jersey and was a practicing lawyer in the 60s and then worked in public service in the 70s. And he was um, working for President Nixon as his general counsel. I wonder if he advised him on the Watergate matter. And also, he was the assistant attorney general. In the 80s, he became a part of President Ronald Reagan's Court of Appeals. And in 1986, the president nominated him as the Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Now, what's his background such that he actually has become the influence that he has been very recent, until very recently on the Supreme Court of the United States? He was the only child of Salvador Eugene and Catherine Panara Scalia. His father emigrated from Sicily as a teenager and came through Ellis Island, and the oldest Scalia got a college education and became a professor of Romance language at Brooklyn College. His mother was the first-generation Italian-American who worked as an elementary school teacher until Antonin was born, and early in life he acquired the nickname Nino, partly in remembrance of his grandfather for whom he was named. Now, he enjoyed being an only child in his immediate family as well as his extended family, which was a very rare occurrence in Italian Catholic families at the time. But uh, he went up, uh, he he grew up in a multi-ethnic neighbourhood of Queens in New New York City, and he did attend a public elementary school where he was a straight-A student. But what happened then? He went on to Xavier High School in Manhattan, which was a military school run by the Jesuit order of the Catholic Church. And it was here that Scalia's conservatism and deep religious conviction was further developed. Uh, He spent much of his time absorbed in his schoolwork and he continued to receive high academic marks. Then he went on to the Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. and he did very well there too. 
and he went to Harvard Law School and during his final year met his wife, Maureen McCarthy. And they had nine children and 28 grandchildren. Now, um, President Nixon, uh, so he comes from the, uh, very much from the Republican side of politics, uh, appointed him general counsel for the Office of Telecommunications Policy and he helped formulate regulations for the cable television industry. But he got out, of course. Uh, he, He survived in the aftermath of the Watergate scandal of 74 and managed to get himself appointed Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel. So uh, he was in there for the Ford administration and later argued his first and only case before the United States Supreme Court. So um, he's been in the court since 86 and he's tipped the court again and again in very conservative decisions which are extremely well argued. Everybody agrees that this man has um, an extraordinary or had an extraordinarily agile legal mind. But he was characterised always as the anchor of the court's conservative majority. Now, the situation is now very, very interesting in the court because there are four that are conservative and four that are more liberal and there, are, there is key legislation before the Supreme Court in the next few months and the next year. And President Obama has still got time to run. And he is arguing that he, as the president, uh, who is not a Republican, has the right to appoint the next judge. Whoever said that judges were apolitical? Whoever said this? Uh, The dogs uh, believe that this might have been the case when they took the state aid case to court in 1981 and they were severely disabused. The quality of a judge lies in the quality of his decision, the decision that he makes. So uh, there's a lot of very, a lot of interesting things happening in America besides Mr. Trump and Mr. Sanders and Hillary Clinton and various others. But uh, I think that uh, we will watch those of us who are interested in the separation of religion from the state and the uh, future of public education in the Western world, in the democracies that we have inherited, we will watch with great interest what now happens in the Supreme Court of the United States. You've been listening to The Dogs Programme here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Uh, Defending public education every week on a Saturday and next Saturday and the Saturday after. We do, in fact, apologise for the quality of the broadcast last week. For those people who missed the first 15 minutes of our broadcast due to problems with um, transmission, um, you can, of course, get that, uh, listen to that program, uh, which has been podcast. You can get that through the 3CR website. And if you're interested in what we're talking about, you can link to the 3CR website through our website, which is at www.adogs.info. That's 
www.adogs.info Until next week, you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill. Went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your Ten years dead, I never died. Too.